One of the reasons I think Amazon's been so successful is because they focus entirely on the customer, sometimes at the detriment of their own employees and partners, suppliers. But what they get right, I think we've all probably experienced this, is the customer experience is always fantastic. And when you're weighing, should I invest in NFTs or my fulfillment network, or do I want to invest in live shopping or whatever? It should all be bundled in this concept of like, will this help our customers? Like, do they want this? In this conversation, I'm joined by Jordan Jewell, VTEX's analyst in residence, to discuss the six trends defining the future of commerce. Formerly at IDC, where he launched their commerce practice, Jordan joined VTEX just three months ago to assist brands and retailers to grow their sales over digital channels. In his own words, he acts as a detective, economist, statistician, journalist, critic, storyteller, and evangelist to provide actionable advice in areas such as merchandising, channel management, marketplaces, product information management, payments, personalization, order management, and more. It's a long list. So perhaps the best place and person to be able to join us for this commerce overview. So Jordan, welcome to the podcast. We're on trend four already. Collaborative commerce. What do we mean by that? Yeah, and this is a um, VTEX term, collaborative commerce. It's it's not a common term. And it, it really comes down to, when I think about it, supply chain and um, fulfillment which obviously has been uh, very turbulent over the past 18 or so months um, for, for many reasons, COVID being the most obvious one, but also um, the war in Ukraine and uh, just lockdowns causing chip shortages, things like that. Um, so really when I think about how supply chain fulfillment all of this is changing. It really means that brand, uh, brands and retailers need to think about how they're planning in the future. And I've recently been interviewing a few retailers about kind of how they've been adapting to all these changes they're seeing in the market. And for them, it came down to, well, if we if we're having shortages in this one product area, we need to figure out how to boost our advertisement or our marketing around our other products that we do have inventory of. And kind of just being able to adapt quickly is a big part. And where collaborative commerce comes in is working more with your partners, sell, selling across your partners, perhaps, or leveraging your partner's supply, uh, dynamic logistics in more cases, like really, really thinking about the supply chain and trying to be more resilient there. Um, investments in fulfillment is huge. One of the things that we really try to encourage at VTEX and kind of as a core pillar of our technology is that you shouldn't be relying on a single shipper for when you're, you're shipping products to consumers. Like you shouldn't be relying only on FedEx, uh, UPS, DHL here in the U S you should kind of be using whichever one works the best to get your, your products to consumers. Um, and it's constantly changing. I wanted to research a really kind of mind blowing stat to kind of highlight this. It, if, if, especially if you're in the U S but I think probably in the UK and other countries, you've probably seen a lot more Amazon trucks than in the past because Amazon has really 
bolstered their their fulfillment network and kind of made crazy investments in fulfillment. They they added 120 million square feet of floor space in their warehouses last year. And for context, uh, so in 2021, and for context, Walmart's total floor space is 270 million. (laughs) So I think that's just a helpful, I mean, Walmart's been around a long time and kind of Amazon's change in one year. It's kind of mind blowing. So going to the point of think um, constantly being dynamic in how you ship or fulfill to your customers. So maybe you're, you are leaning on Amazon in some cases because Amazon actually delivers products for companies not selling on Amazon, mm-hmm. but Which also is a very like, interesting business model for them. <laughs> there could be another podcast on, <laughs> on that alone. Yeah. So it's really just being about dynamic um, supply chains. One of the toughest part of digital commerce easily. And also um, I talked a little bit about the experience economy earlier and um, customer experiences and I think, I think fulfillment and supply chain are overlooked a little bit when we talk about customer experiences, because it doesn't matter how beautiful your site is. If uh, me as a consumer, if I don't get your product when I expect it, that that's going to ruin the experience. Like that's often more important than everything else. Um, like, so a few things to think about there. It's so difficult for brands, isn't it? Because the more that we talk and and all of these trends that we're running through now, I mean, we're only on trend five, but everything that we're we're running through, trend four even, there is so much to think about for brands. It's no wonder that they aren't getting it completely right, that there are still bugs in the system, that things aren't aren't as smooth as they can be. There is so much to think about and to, to absolutely nail. The struggle being that the customer expectation is there today. The customer demand is there today and brands are kind of scrabbling to catch up and, and, and keep up with all of this. How do they do that? I'm going a bit off, off script here, but how do they, where do they begin to manage that complexity? What would they prioritize, do you think? Yeah. And I, I don't have like a silver bullet answer because, I mean, that's the, that's the challenge. And I think most of us in the industry understand that I, I would kind of highlight two things, which are one, I mean, this sounds like the most obvious statement I could possibly make, but I, I really think it's important. And I don't think, I think a lot of brands don't do this well, which is put the customer first. So every decision you make should be around the customer. Like, obviously you, 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 you care about, um, profit and not just losing money on every decision. But at the end of the day, you have to focus on the customer when you're making these kind of decisions. Like if you're cutting back on returns or something, let's say, like, how does that impact the customer and their interact and, and their experience with your brand? So kind of every decision has to be centered around how does this impact the customer? And the second thing I would say is we're, we're talking through six trends. And there's kind of, I, I think if you really unpack this, there's probably 15 or something kind of yeah, rolled up like in the 20 six. podcast conversations already that we've, <laughs> we've had to sideline here. For sure. And um, I mean, I would, 
it, it's a crawl, walk, run. Uh, like that should be the approach of anyone listening. But I would say pick one of these. And actually like the next one we're about to talk about is like if I had to pick one, one I would highlight. Spoiler. But like pick one of these that you may not be so good at and really invest in that. So maybe it's supply chain. Maybe it's really focusing on your your channel management and cross-channel strategy, which again, I think is really important. Um, I recently interviewed a retailer who one of the biggest changes they made just recently was uh, they, they centralized their call center, their customer service. And that's not something we typically think about necessarily with e-commerce, but for them, they wanted to have more consistency with their their customer service. And when they didn't want to always have someone in store answering a phone who also needed to service customers in store. And like, that's like, that's an area that you should focus on. So those are the, it's a huge challenge. And those are a couple thoughts that come to mind for me. Yeah, those are great. And you talking about supply chain just makes me start thinking about that whole sustainability conversation that we're having now as well, particularly around fast fashion. There is so much to, uh, to, to unpack there. Next podcast, I promise. Right. Trend number five. Uh, I think it would be a surprise to everyone listening to this if we didn't touch on the impact of immersive experiences in commerce, something that we're seeing a lot more at the moment. And that's our fifth trend. So what's your take? Buzzwords or long-term strategies when it comes to immersive commerce? Yeah. I mean, there's 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 always a lot of buzzwords. There's probably three buzzwords tied to each of these um, we could use. Love a buzzword. Uh, <laughs> okay. If I'm going to give you a buzzword, the buzzword is live commerce, but let, let me explain. Um, so my point here that if, if you don't remember anything about this trend, if you remember one thing I should say, it is that video is taking over the internet. So, uh, and the data point is that Cisco says that this is their, their number says 82% of all internet traffic will be video this year, 2022. That's insane. Do you believe that? Can you, can you see that really being a thing? To be honest, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I don't know how they're like, whether that's um, because video takes up more traffic, that sort of thing. But I trust Cisco kind of knows what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, me too. And actually, I had a really interesting last podcast that we did with the, the Blomstelandet team talking about live shopping, live commerce, which is really taking off much more than they ever ex- expected. So maybe it is right. We'll let Cisco uh, uh, confirm it. <laughs> I mean, this is, again, we could have another, we could have a whole podcast on this one. And this is the one I'm kind of the most passionate about right now. Um, in that, I think when we, I mentioned earlier, when we think about e-commerce, we envision a browser or mobile experience. It's kind of a, a product page or a product listing page, that typical page. <laughs> but like, and one thing I go back to is the evolution of social media we've seen over the past 10 plus years. So if we go back several years, we'll go back maybe five plus years, the most dominant social media platform, both in terms of overall users, but also kind of was just growing the fastest was Facebook. And if you look at Facebook and you kind of, you kind of squint a little bit, <laughs> It, it looks a little bit, it, it looks like a product page 
kind of like there's a picture in the top left. There's details about a person. Um, it kind of looks like a product page. And now let's fast forward to now and the trend we're on with social media. And we're seeing a clear growth in platforms like TikTok, which now has over a billion monthly active users who spend on average exact number here, 858 minutes a month on the platform, which equates to a little over 14 hours. Um, Instagram is also really big, obviously 1.4 million active users. Uh, YouTube as well has a huge share in social media. And the reason I bring those three up is because they're all centered largely around video. And I believe, and I think we've seen evidence of this coming from regions like China, that e-commerce in general is going to be a lot more immersive. There's going to be a lot more video. And I think every brand and retailer should be really thinking about how, how are you going to sell in that environment? What is my product page going to look like? What is, what, what is my whole site going to look like? Is it going to even be a site? Um, kind of existential questions here, but really rethinking what commerce is going to look like in the future and how you can just kind of maybe throw away that norm of a product page and rethinking how you present yourself and your products in that new environment. So uh, I, I mentioned kind of live commerce and live shopping. So a few more stats here. Uh, the Chinese e-commerce market is uh, $2.78 billion. So it's it's huge, the biggest e-commerce market in the world by far. And that represents over, I think this year it's supposed to be a little over half of all retail is going to be online in China. Whereas here in the US, we're looking more at 17% this year. So it just shows you the maturity of the Chinese e-commerce market. And 15.2% of that, that, that huge e-commerce number in China is live commerce. It's live shopping. It's live streaming with commerce enabled. It's video. So it just goes to the point that video is really taking up a huge por portion of how Chinese consumers buy things there. And... My belief, my very strong belief and my encouragement is that this is going to take a hold in other markets like here in the U.S., but also in Europe and South America, the rest of the world in the coming years. And some of the, I think you just had an example, but some of the brands that we work with who've um, implemented live shopping have really seen surprising results in kind of the interaction. And I think it's just all kind of goes back to one of the things you mentioned earlier around the the level of expectations engagement that customers expect um the, the video just kind of plays into that a little better than the static experiences we're used to with e-commerce i think that those numbers are you can't really argue with those numbers can you and i completely agree with you we've seen time and time again that the market follows whatever happens in in china when it comes to to retail and e-commerce so very interesting to see then what happens over the next next few years. And another thing, yeah, you mentioned surprise at the the uh, live shopping, and I I mentioned it too. It really is a surprise to brands. I think when they see you know this QVC type model of li live shopping, the shopping channel type model really taking off. But 
maybe it is that very human connection. So many of the things that we've talked about today, whether it's customer experience, centralizing your customer service, uh, you know, differentiated experience, customer experience, supply chain, great returns processes, someone being on the phone when you need them or a great online, you know, response. It's, it all drives down to that very human, very personalized experience. So yeah, super interesting. Leading us finally onto our final trend, trend number six, which is the decentralization as we move from web two to web three. What are your thoughts about the impact of Web3 technologies on e-commerce and how should brands and retailers plan to use them? That's a huge question. Definitely. And it's, we've talked about buzzwords. I think that one's probably the the buzziest. That's the one that you're going to see a lot of noise in the market. And it's so new right now that there's going to be a lot of uh, just crazy predictions. People really just... Uh, talking up things like the metaverse or NFTs and things like that. Um, it, it's hard, I think, for a lot of brands and retailers to figure out what actually matters when it comes to Web 3.0. And uh, we have characterized this as decentralization, which essentially is we've moved from an internet where big tech companies like Google or Facebook kind of own the internet. They own traffic and how things work on the internet and how things are sold on the internet. We're moving a little bit more. I'm not totally buying into that. We're going to move all the way, but we're moving a little bit away from that towards web 3.0, where things like the blockchain and uh, cryptocurrencies and NFTs have kind of democratized certain portions of the internet a little bit. And I, I, I feel like I'm already diving into buzzword Um, bingo here, but where I think this matters for brands when they think about Web 3.0 or some of these kind of uh, nascent technologies is like one, I I think crypto, crypto, cryptocurrencies will have a role in commerce, but is not super interesting for brands and retailers in my mind. But I, I do think there's, there's a lot of interesting use cases when it comes to NFTs and there's a lot of stuff about NFTs right now. There's a lot of like they're JPEGs and they're GIFs and you can sell them. And there's all these auctions and markets. Um, and that's all cool. I don't think that's hugely interested, interesting for mo- the most part for brands and retailers, like the, the, the graphics or like the, the, the images. I, I think there's a way to build community there. That is interesting using some of those components, but I actually, I think the part that's a little bit, that that's not talked about, that could have a much bigger role in the future, and what I would encourage listeners to just look a little more into is other uses of NFTs. So the definition of an NFT is it's a token on a blockchain that cannot be replicated, and what that what that has amounted to right now is like oh i can sell you an image and you own it and it can't be duplicated because there's a token attached to it but there are actually some use cases that are pretty interesting in retail like um chanel has their handbags of course and they have in the past they've had a physical card to authenticate that one it's real and two 
who is the rightful owner of this handbag, they're actually moving towards more digital form of uh, proof of ownership. They're moving towards what they're calling digital passports and microchips for authentication. But you can kind of, if you're thinking ahead a little bit, this could be an NFT. You could have an NFT proving the ownership of the handbag or some other products. Because again, what it is, is a token that cannot be replicated. That's that's what it is. And it's a little bit different way to be thinking about what the role of NFTs or Web 3.0 will be in retail because you might have a digital wallet on your phone and you have a, an NFT of your handbag or your watch or your, um, <laughs> your PlayStation or something. It could be any device in the future. And that'll actually be proof of ownership and it'll work better than having a physical car that you could lose or it could just be stolen. Um, so like another example is, let's say it, it is a watch that has an NFT attached to it. You could actually have your phone, which holds your digital wallet and NFTs. Your phone would actually verify that I'm, I'm Jordan Jewell, I'm wearing this watch and I'm the rightful owner. So the watch will continue to work. But let's say it gets stolen, then the, um, my phone will no longer be able to verify that I'm the one wearing it and it won't work. So kind of working digital into some of the, into products. And uh, I, I just kind of think this is a more interesting use of NFTs and Web 3.0 for retailers and brands and just kind of encourage them to, I don't think they should invest a ton in NFTs right now. Um, I think this is changing too fast and it may not pay off, but I do think they should be thinking about, think about it and, and just looking more into the topic and not kind of associating it entirely with art and those kind of auctions that have been in the news. I love that you used a a luxury example that, you know, the the Chanel handbag example. We have just been doing some work with our luxury SMEs here talking about, you know, the role of the metaverse, the role of NFTs within, you know, the luxury commerce experience and, you know, Thinking about the metaverse, super ex- interesting example from Gucci, who launched their new collection, or that you know they're dressing up characters within the metaverse and launching products within the metaverse or collections within the metaverse before they launch launch them physically. Then there's this whole conversation around, you know, not just cost saving for them as a brand. You know, how much does it cost to launch something in the metaverse versus setting up a whole fashion show you know with all of the creative and invites and the create the physical creation of all of the products you know it also gives you an opportunity to see what bites with your customers what's going to sell what are they engaging with before you go into physical production really interesting and for me the I don't want to say interesting again but I'm going to say it the interesting thing for me with these with these luxury retailers is historically with digital advancements Luxury wouldn't necessarily be the industry that you'd align with innovation of this kind within digital. You know, they were quite slow even to jump on the chatbot type uh, digital interaction. So for them to be jumping on board with all of this is is worth taking note of, I think. The thing for me there then in that case is 
another podcast, maybe Jordan, but the socioeconomic price positioning of, of digital. Are we getting to a position where all of these things and these brand experiences and only become available to a very or relatively wealthy consumer? You know, the smaller brands, the smaller companies, are these kinds of, of trends that we've been talking about today, are they going to be available to them? Or is digital shifting to a less inclusive retail, if you like? I don't know. It's something for us to maybe unpack and discuss in another podcast, but she's going to say it again. It's interesting to talk about, right? No, for sure. Yeah, it, it would warrant another <laughs> chat. But like, I, I haven't even really gotten into the metaverse and I, I don't want to for that reason because it, it's, <laughs> it's a huge topic. But um, I, I think it just is kind of rolled into all these discussions we've been and you mentioned sustainability too and that 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 rolls into kind of the experience economy as well like what is your brand beyond just a product and price it's it could be in a a metaverse it could be the sustainability attached to your company so there these are all in my mind kind of wrapped in that experience portion and yeah, it'll, it, I have mixed feelings about the metaverse, uh, but there's certainly, and to your point, luxury is definitely, it, it kind of is unintuitive in some ways, but at the same time, it makes a lot of sense that uh, like like the brand has so much value in that market. So it would make sense that if they get, if they dive into NFTs or the metaverse or whatever, um, they're going to have a lot of success because consumers associate with the brand and want to be a part of that community. And and that part, that that piece, community is really what it comes down to with me. It's building a community beyond physical engagements to digital. We have been talking for a long time. So let's wrap up with some things for brands or people listening to this conversation to consider when going forward. I know you don't want to tell a one-sided story. So what are some potential hurdles or even roadblocks that might impede progress towards this wonderful vision of commerce that you've painted for us for the future? Yeah. And, and this is kind of, I'm a, I'm a former analyst. This is kind of my way of hedging my bets a little bit and saying, well, I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'm really smart. And it's because of <laughs> these things, but uh, I'm going to pinpoint a few. Um, I, I think you could make a long list, but a few that clearly come to mind and the the top one that's been coming up a lot when I've been interviewing retailers and brands is we, we've obviously been seeing kind of some uncertainty enter the economy and like with inflation and uh, consumption looking like it might start to drop a little bit. So that's the biggest one. How is that going to impact how brands and retailers want to invest or how buyers, where they go to buy, how they buy. I mean, that's, it's a clear potential hurdle in moving forward. I, I think e-commerce is going to continue to move forward, but the rate at which some of these things are adopted might change a little bit. I still really believe like video taking over the internet, things like that are going to persist. So you still should be making certain bets. Sustainability is one we talked about a little bit, and I think is really important here. E-commerce is awesome. I, I love e-commerce, but one of the uh, 
one of the problems with it is this, the footprint, this is the impact it has on the environment. And just a quick stat, it's a little bit old one, but more than a billion trees um, are used for the cardboard boxes shipped just for e-commerce in the U.S. And, and that was a 2018 stat. I'm sure it's a lot higher now, but just that that level of um, uh, environmental footprint that's being used is kind of crazy and sad. And I think this needs to be worked out a little bit more, like it really should be in the future. And then finally, if I had to kind of just pinpoint one final one is it's a little bit of the, um, it's people, it's around culture. And there's a lot of cool examples of how commerce could change. For instance, in China, I'm bringing up China again, you can actually walk into a store and pay with your face. You don't need to bring a wallet or phone. You can go in and go out and, and that's it. Um, I don't think that would work in the US or the in Europe, but it there's a huge, and part of the reason it wouldn't work is obviously regulations, but also um, people are not used to that. They're not used to one, being authenticated based on their face, but two, walking in and out of a store without pulling out their wallet. Um, and there's kind of a cultural shift that needs to happen. You're seeing it with consumers and businesses not wanting to place large purchases online, but but that is shifting. So um, th- those are just, if I had to pinpoint a few, those are some of the hurdles. And there's there's a bunch more that could kind of change kind of the the trend lines as we go forward. But those are like, that's painted the rosy picture. This is the the less rosy side, potentially. Those are great takeaways. Really good things to keep considering for everyone who's listened to this. If you could give one recommendation, what would it be? Yeah. Pinpointing one is hard. Um, (laughs) You can give two. I'll I'll try to focus it on one. (laughs) I I think um, at the end of the day, and this is kind of where I started, it, it comes down to focusing on customers. And if you think about, I'm going to use a Jeff Bezos quote here. I'm just going to read the quote in a moment. But one of the reasons I think Amazon's been so successful is because they focus entirely on the customer, Um, sometimes at the detriment of their own employees and um, some partners, suppliers. But what they get right, I think we've all probably experienced this, is the customer experience is always fantastic. And when you're weighing, should I invest in NFTs or my fulfillment network, or do I want to invest in live shopping or whatever? It should all be bundled in this concept of like, will this help our customers? Like, do they want this? Um, So the quote from Jeff Bezos is, if you're competitor focused, you have to wait until there is a competitor doing something being customer focused allows you to be more pioneering. Um, it's a good quote. It just, it refocuses it again on the customer. Like what do, what will help my customer? Is it worth maybe getting a little ahead of the market because I have data, I've have qualitative information that this will improve the customer experience. A great place to end and a great quote. Thank you. Don't absolutely love talking to you. Thank you so much. That hour has zipped by and I think we both agree there's still so much more to talk about. So we will absolutely get you back on if you have time 
know you have a hugely busy, busy schedule. So we'll <laughs> try and find some more time to keep talking because I think it's hugely valuable for everyone who's listening for the brands, companies who are looking to try and get ahead of the game in commerce or not even get ahead of the game, just get in the game when it comes to commerce, <laughs> uh, as there's been so much to learn and to, uh, to do over the last year in particular. Thank you again. Great to talk to you and looking forward to, uh, to catching up with you again soon. Thanks. Likewise. Would love to be back. Thanks, Dizzy. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.